Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. Uh, when they were coming off the field, I, I took a picture of uh, Kirk Cousins and my, my youngest son's a Packer fan. I texted to him. I said, hey, you're the best quarterback in the North right here. <laughs> I was just messing with him. The JJ effect is real. I posted a picture of just him fielding questions from reporters. Oh, yeah, that was like, a lot. I mean, we've been here every day OTAs. So, like, we've seen rookie minicamp. But when JJ arrived at practice on Tuesday, the entire building just lit up. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett. We've got Gabe Henderson inside TCO Studios. We'll have a guest later on in this one, someone who you might know. He's been around the NFL time or two, a 25-year-plus media member, Mike Sando from The Athletic. He's making his rounds I around love his camp. last name. Sando. Like Sando, you like just, Sandman, right? Like Virginia, that reminds me of like Virginia Tech. The entrance, they have the inner Sandman. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Man, except he's literally from the other coast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah, he joins us later, and I think it's it's nice to hear. I think someone who covers the NFL on a larger scale talk yeah. about perceptions of like the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Like, we get so on our bubble here this is like i mean we we work so close we work inside the building i was about to say we work so closely with the team which we do but at the same time hearing it from another perspective um i know he has his podcast that basically general gm yeah football gm football podcast does it with uh, Randy Mueller, who's a longtime NFL exec. And, and it's so high level that you you definitely appreciate those opinions because, you, like you say, you kind of get locked in into what we're doing here. And it's like, all right, what, what's the outside perspective of like big market versus small market? How would this look versus yeah. this? So it's well, great I got this uh, I got this tidbit bef- after we did the interview, which I was yeah. like, gosh, dang it. Why didn't we have this when we. So we had a chance to talk to him about it. But apparently he works on these large research projects and like really sits down with the numbers. So he was really jazzed to talk to Quasey. And apparently they were just kind of going back and forth at these having these high level discussions about things. I would have liked to have heard about that. So if we didn't if you know about it and we didn't ask about it, it's because we didn't really know until I I think for me it was like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Right. So but I mean, the, the fact that he has these relationships and. He's built this this following from the ground up. I think that is a testament to his work. And um, he only makes our podcast better just providing some of that insight for Vikings fans. So I'm excited for Vikings fans to hear that. Yeah, yeah. We'll have that conversation in just a bit. Before we get to that, I do want to go maybe a little bit more in the weeds of mandatory minicamp. There have been several headlines that have been happening. JJ showing up which was great to see. The JJ effect is real. <laughs> I posted a picture of just him fielding questions from reporters. Oh yeah, that was like, a lot. I mean, we've been here every day OTAs. So like we've we've seen we've seen rookie minicamp, but when JJ arrived at practice on Tuesday, the entire building like just lit up. So it's so good having him back. He answered questions and just just his energy is what this Vikings team needs. Like he made this team better in one day. So what you're saying is it wasn't Jersey Day, the reason that everyone was excited. <laughs> it might have been Grill Day for JJ. He had a, his fronts in. But yeah, Jersey Day, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, that was his idea. Yeah, that was great. Staff and players wearing their jerseys. Didn't, what, Byron Murphy Jr. won? Byron, yeah, he won with okay. a full game-worn Mike Bibby Memphis Grizzlies That's uh, kind of unfair, though. Because he's related to him. Exactly, yeah. like Mike Bibby is his uncle. So it's like... Yeah. Like, but still, like there he, was some he Bobby had the whole Boucher's. Thing, right? 
As Kirk, Kirk said, there were a lot of Allen Iversons. Kirk wore a Georgetown Allen Iverson jersey, which nice. was so not on brand for him, but it was very cool to see him. I think it, the good thing about it is that it created conversation. And when you talk about uh, trying to build a culture and build collaboration, like that's things that you do. Like every jersey tells a story. Like, why do you wear that jersey? So to have that kind of collaboration was so good to see. And Kirk, th- this is, I've never seen Kirk like this. No, he's, no, not at all. He's like doing spirit week. He's flying uh, his offensive lineman on private planes. Okay, like so I have an update for you on that. Okay. Do you remember how last time we were like, I wonder where he took them? Holland, Michigan, right? Yes, he did. <laughs> and we sat there and we were like, they're in California. Look at those pretty beaches. How, who found, knew Holland, Michigan had beaches? I know. And the funny thing is, I was trying to find you because I ran into Ed Ingram <laughs> right after the podcast recording yeah. in the hallway on the third floor, like third in, floor? in the business side. I don't know why he was up there, but I ran into him and I was like, I was like, wait, I just saw that you were at the beach. What yeah. are you doing here? He's like, oh yeah, it was just like a day trip or whatever. And I was like, we had like a whole discussion going on about where you were. <laughs> and he goes, Michigan. And I was like, no, you weren't. I was like, Gabe's going to be like, what? We were right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, for, <laughs> for him to take a private plane to Holland, Michigan, I don't know if Show that's- Show around. Like, Holland, Michigan? They have a house there. Holland, Michigan? They have a beach house there. Holland, Michigan? I know. He just like showed him around where- I guess no, Kurt was you. like, here's here's my roots, guys, right? I respect it. It's I respect nice. it. Like that is, um, that, that basically is, hey, get to know me a little bit. Yeah. And we know that the Netflix documentary is coming out called Quarterback on July 12th and- uh, Netflix did a very intimate setting of who Kirk is as a person. I know a lot of people are going to come out saying like, oh, Kirk is like, we didn't know he had this side of him. But the fact that his offensive lineman got to see that, that kind of just makes this thing much more exciting for for Vikings fans to get this season going. Yeah, I think I saw something. I know you alluded to this when we talked to Mike that Kirk is a little polarizing. Um, people, you know, love him or hate him. He, and he he's okay with both. He doesn't face him one bit. He's always yeah. going to be him. I saw a tweet where someone was like, he's either going to be the most exciting part of this or the most boring. <laughs> and I just have a hard time thinking, how can you be Kirk O'Chains, sing on an award show, be so cute reading that book to your kid and be the boring part? There's no way. I, I just think people would want to keep Kirk where he is. Like, Kirk, you came into the league as like just this one person. Yeah. And you're only putting on these chains for social media, which it wasn't his. Honestly, his I don't decision. think he did. I didn't think he. he didn't I want to do didn't it. think he thought about social media when he did it. One a bit. Now he was just trying to he be. He probably a good didn't teammate. think it was going to end up there. Right. He was just probably probably trying to be a good teammate, and then on top of that, you just look at how like how that's going to affect this documentary, and it's like, oh, he can't be boring if this is what we're talking about. Sure. So I'm interested to see like the the dynamics between work and life. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that. As Gabe mentioned, it's July 12th on Netflix. Um, If you are currently in a battle with whose household gets to be the Netflix household, you might just want to go get your own subscription for this one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I had my mom call me the other day and she's like, "Um, it's not letting us on. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Oh, have they? Yeah, is it a limit? It's a whole thing. It's a whole oh, wow. thing. We'll do another podcast on that. Okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> Vikings offseason Netflix edition. Yeah, I'd be like, if you have a Netflix problem, Netflix problem, tweet me. Please don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but uh, you know, Everett. you know, <laughs> right? Tatum O. Everett. So just send it to that girl. <laughs> um, if you, uh, yeah. So so we're kind of wrapping up here on the final day of mandatory minicamp. The players. This is their time to really, they get to go home, they get to go on break, vacation, take a load off and be able to just kind of relax until training camp starts. Um, 
But before we get to that, anyone, you know, you know th- there's a lot of times where you're, you're kind of looking to see like who gets to run with the ones, who gets to go with the twos and kind of figuring that out. And while it doesn't really mean a ton right now, was there anyone you were excited to see get some extra work in practice the last couple of days? Yeah. Um, cornerback Makai Blackman, the, the third rounder from this year, he was running with the ones the past couple of days in, in mandatory minicamp and. Like we don't have any injuries at cornerback. So the fact that he's running with the ones on a few reps, it's like, okay, this is a coaching staff that believes in him. He's done something that's that's turned heads. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what that can look like. I was telling uh, Zach Royce, our, our social media manager here, that this is this is the first year since I've been hired. I got hired in 2020 that I was going into a training camp excited about what our cornerback position could look like. Yeah, Like, yeah, we're young. We don't know what it could look like, but like we have depth and we have bodies and we have like young energy. So the fact that Makai Blackman is getting some run with the ones, he's doing something right. Um, I know he's turned down a couple of interviews just to, just to stay locked into what he's doing uh, on the football field, which is starting to show off. So I, I, I love, him, I lo- yeah. hopefully, you know, that translates well to the field. Yeah, there have been several guys on even Jaquil and Roy getting right. some looks uh, at nose tackle. I mean, but it definitely helps when, you know, Harrison Phillips is not practicing in full right. yet. You lose Dalvin Tomlinson. So a lot of these young guys are getting plugged in right. to that front, seeing Byron Murphy in the inside for the most part. I noticed yeah. it was like Makai and Caleb for yeah. the most part in the outsides. And I remember, yeah, yes. Yeah. And today, Justin, they did like the the offense did like this one receiver set, which is one wide receiver on the field. So Brian Flores was like, OK, we're only going to put one DB on the field to guard Justin. And that was Byron Murphy Jr. So nice. apparently he's the the cornerback. He one. should be the, the dude right now. Like, he's the most experienced, right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> which is crazy to say. Very it's young, crazy. It's a young team. Yeah, and, and and that's that's a good thing. I feel like that's a good thing because you could you can definitely use those young legs to to kind of outwill teams when it comes to the fourth quarter. So I'm excited. Yeah, so this is an exciting time here at TCOPC. Exciting time to take a quick break. Uh, we will not take a break. The podcast will continue for the next several weeks. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do what we do best and talk about football, even though there's no football going on. Yeah, we'll try to. Unfortunately, I'm out the next. That's literally true. Like that's the next true. You get to weeks. have. You get to go on paternity, yeah, paternity leave, right? Leave. That's so an exciting time. Finally, get to just be a dad. I'm like, I've been a dad, but like to be a dad and like not have to worry about work. I'm like, dude, this is exciting to be able to just take a trip, couple of trips. So that that'll be fun. But still, this this podcast will continue to run on. Jay Nelson will be back. <laughs> Eric Thank Davidson God will I don't be. have to be up here by myself. <laughs> You could probably, you could probably. I do not want to. Maybe I could. I don't want to. No thanks. Just I need talk a friend. To in a room. Yeah, by no. You know, kudos to those guys that can. Honestly, Paul Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Three hours every day. Yeah, no. Kudos to those who can for sure. Well, we were excited to be joined by the Athletics' Mike Sando, and that conversation is coming up next. As Gabe and I talked about already this podcast, Quarterback is a new sports series that features an unprecedented look into the lives of three quarterbacks, including your Minnesota Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins, Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and Marcus Mariota. Watch Quarterback July 12th only on Netflix. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett. We've got Gabe Henderson here in TCO Studios and a very special guest alongside us today, the Athletics' Mike Sando. Mike, you've been covering the NFL 25 plus years. 
You work for The Athletic. You got your own podcast, the Football GM Podcast. I mean, you really kind of honed in on your craft in the last few years, huh? In the last 25 years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing how fast time flies. You know, uh, I can remember my first being nervous going out to my first uh, practice and introducing myself to players and that sort of a thing. And, and certainly a lot more comfortable now and have a lot of relationships built up over the years in the league. And uh, it makes coming to teams uh, fun. What's changed about the the access for you from, you know, 25 years ago to now where, yeah. you know, you're still dealing with this, the same league and, and trying to grow as you go? Well, so early on, I think uh, there was probably uh, at that time, we're talking, you know, 90s, there wasn't uh, the big social media push. So. I think teams were less concerned about um, letting you behind the, the the curtain, so to speak. So we would have uh, pretty good access in the locker room, probably better now. Like you could go up to the quarterback and talk to him, you know, it, whereas now I feel like a lot of things are scheduled. Hey, Kirk Cousins is going to talk every Wednesday at this time. And yeah, if you had a special request for him and remember the media, you get it. But I, I was covering the Seahawks back then. If Matt Hasselbeck was over there, I could... I wasn't going to talk to him for half an hour, but if I wanted to just small talk with him, no problem. There might not be a crowd of people around the locker room. I think it's become a lot more formalized now to where uh, all of the formal access is like available to everybody, right? There's less opportunities, fewer opportunities for some of those one-on-one interactions, which I think are really the richest ones. Those are the ones you want to have. You can still have them. It's just a little bit harder uh, now. For me, though, my job has changed completely from then. You know, I was, I was on the nitty-gritty of the beat, and it was at the same team every day, and you really get to know that team well. But the people you know around the league are maybe people who used to work for that team and have moved on. And so now, you know, covering the league at large, not only are there people like that that I maybe ran into years ago, but I can make new contacts through the people I already know, right? So... If I know uh, a certain coach somewhere, and then he's going to know 100 coaches, right? So you can get connected really quickly if there's a measure of trust and people know that, you know, you, you have uh, good motives and you're, you're just trying to learn and do a good job and, and be fair to people, that type of thing. So yeah. for me, it's, got, it's gotten actually easier, even as the mm-hmm. rules have become more restrictive around probably media in general, the doors have probably opened more for me just from being around so long. Yeah. You said your first practice was the Seahawks. Yeah. And so you were, how long were you on that beat? I spent nine years uh, on that beat. And I'd already covered colleges and high schools. I'd already been working for uh, seven, eight years before that. So I did nine years there, 12 years at ESPN and four at the Athletics. So you started adding those up. It's a 30-year career. Is this your, not your first time to... Minneapolis or Minnesota to see the Vikings, I'm guessing. Oh, no. No, I... uh, Shoot, we'll go back to the probably the first time I came here for Vikings. I was probably in the nineties. Yeah, but this oddly, this is the first time at this facility, and that's shocking to me. But it was kind of COVID related. You know, you. I was joking, like, I think there was a point when I realized I hadn't seen my sister for like almost three years. You know, because yeah. of all of these things, sure. I was like, oh, when's the last time I was here? So I have not been here before, which I can't believe. I think the last time I was at the Vikings. It, could it really be this long ago? Like Norv Turner, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember meeting with Norv Turner and Scott Turner in the cafeteria and was sitting there, wow. and then Bud Grant walked in, oh, wow. which was awesome. Uh, yeah. Which, if you're around here when Bud, you know, rest his soul, was around, that was a normal thing for Bud to be around. But I just remember thinking, wow, Norv's been around for a long time. This, like, 
Bud Grant's experience goes back like 20 more years sure. than that. So uh, very I mean, cool. How, just from covering just the NFL that long and understanding who the Vikings have been for, you know, from a high level perspective, how has the perception of what this organization, how has that changed over time until now with Kevin O'Connell since that first Bud Grant meeting? Oh, that's a good question. Um I think the Vikings have had a good competitive reputation. I mean, I don't think that they're a team that has gone through just horrific ownership or, uh, you know, just completely long droughts, right? I mean, the Vikings have always been a team that have kind of been in the mix and uh, been competitive, been to the playoffs a lot of times. You go back to Denny Green, you can go back before that. So I don't know that the perception of the Vikings has changed fundamentally. I do think that you know, the personalities drive what it's like to be around a team. So clearly that's different with the coaching change. I mean, you can't get much more different from uh, much more different. I don't know if that's my English teacher would like that. But but you can't get much different from the intensity of a defensive coach like Mike Zimmer, um, you know, whose face is turning red during even the media sessions, to an offensive (laughs) coach like Kevin O'Connell, who's a younger guy. And so there's definitely different feels around teams, uh, uh, but as far as the reputation of the team, I think it's, you know, intact as a as a team that's usually in the mix. You were able to reconnect with Kevin O'Connell. What's your connection to Coach? Uh, so I think I knew him uh, when he was with the certainly when he was with the Rams. I knew a lot of the Rams people. I covered the NFC West for five years when I was at ESPN. Uh, we, we used to have eight divisional reporters. So, in fact, one of them was Kevin Seifert, who I yeah. saw in the media room, good friend of mine. We worked together at ESPN. He was on the NFC North. So for some reason, I feel like Seifert is really good friends with everybody. Like yeah, he's he is. Just, <laughs> he's a, he's a guy guy. to like. Yeah, right. Steve, uh, Seifert is. Yeah, gold. He's one of those guys. Really, you're exactly right. He does not have – no one would be an enemy of Seifert, right? Right. It's their fault if they are. Yeah, totally. (laughs) There you go. Great guys. So uh, I have a lot lot of connections into the NFC West and uh, have been around the Rams a fair amount. So I think really probably it would be during his Rams tenure. So not that long uh, ago, but it was certainly good to see him here and uh, make that – Reconnection. Yeah, you were you were at mandatory minicamp. You you were able to view practice today as we were recording on um, Wednesday, June fourteenth, and just just being out there. Just w- what was the vibe that you got? Like, what what was the energy that you felt today at practice? Oh, it was good energy. Energy. There was an amazing uh, leaping deep ball uh, competition down there on one of those <laughs> yeah. one of those plays. The, yeah. the, the tempo there was pretty good. So, um, you know. I don't see the practices the way like a coach would. I mean, if there's a coach out there, they see all these little things. I'm out there uh, watching, but also talking to people. And I, well, that's the thing I notice is you're looking around. And I'm like, hey, that's Mike Pettin, you know? Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, Ryan Gregson's here, you know? <laughs> uh, the league shuffles the deck, you know, so many times. And there's so many people that I would know, hey, here comes Brian Flores. You know, he's walking over. Uh, so that's a cool thing at this time of year when a relatively new staff and a relatively new front office and a very new building to me, um, I like that sort of a thing of like, oh, wait a minute, I know who that is, you know? And so just seeing all the different people uh, uh, around certainly stood out to me. And I'm not going to, it's funny, when I first started in 1998 of covering the NFL, I replaced John Clayton, who was at, at the newspaper where I was going to work. And then he went on to a long career at ESPN. And he told me, uh, hey, these minicamp practices, don't even worry about writing anything out of them. Just just go watch and <laughs> yeah. and go get to know people and that sort of a thing. And, you know, now, of course, it's a 24-7 news cycle almost where we're covering practices. But I learned a long time ago, don't read too much into what's going on in June. Think of last June. Oh, yeah. 
like what happened last June that was a big thing for the season, you know? So if a player misses a certain day or a guy has a great day not wearing pads, I've learned to take it with a total grain of salt. Yeah, no, totally. And it's funny. Well, first of all, total side note, but John Clayton is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. <laughs> and 100% the best sports center commercial I have ever like he's for sure. number one for in sure. my book when it comes to the rankings of those commercials. So John was a mentor of mine. You That's should so cool. you could Google John Clayton, Mike Sando, the Athletic. I did okay. a, I did a tribute to John when he passed. Oh, wow, I have to read that. that. Uh, I spent a lot of time with John yeah. uh, over the years. We both live in the Seattle area, so there's there's a few Clayton stories in there that people will enjoy. Okay, good, good. Yeah. No, I I love hearing those, and I like I said, huge amount of respect for that guy. Yeah. But going back to Kind of reading, reading into things when you when you met with Kevin O'Connell um, or, or got to know him, I guess, when he was uh-huh. with the Rams. Could you get a sense that this guy was going to be a head coach one day? Like, could you see that being his trajectory? And now after talking to him today, what's the sense you get of him now that he's like had a year under his belt? Oh, I think he's every they're more comfortable after the year. They know how things went. Just the logistics of game day and how we want to do things and how we want to be prepared. And I think uh, for sure that, you know, I think you could always see Kevin was bright, you know, um, and he was associated with Sean McVay. So you got a good shot right, right. there. Right? right. I mean, that seems to be, uh, you know, uh, a magic touch for him. So, uh, yeah, I think you could certainly see he was capable, but there's 32 of these jobs. You don't know who's going to get it when there's lots of good right. coaches that don't get that opportunity. So good for him and a great first season under his belt. Yeah. I think with that first season, you, you <laughs> we kind of had the idea that Kevin was going to figure out the offensive side of the ball. You, you have all those weapons on the offensive side of the ball. It's, you you got to yeah. be a top 10 offense, but you look at the defensive side of the ball and you know, we, the Vikings just couldn't figure it out. And, I, and as a head coach, you can ask Kevin this, he, the, the toughest part is, is firing someone. Cause sure. it's like, man, the, you were my first staff or you right. one of my first picks, but uh, uh, a thing that you wrote, you wrote an article uh, about a month ago. Was, yeah. I think it's called the move from each NFL team's offseason that I like the most. Yeah. Brian Flores was the one thing about the Vikings that you liked the most. Why? I did because I think it's really easy to fire somebody when things don't go well. and But that's not the solution. You know, the people that get fired are usually pretty good. Yeah. That's why you hired them. Uh, so I think uh, like there were a few situations this year where teams fired defensive coordinators. They hired Vic Fangio in Miami. They hired Jim Schwartz in Cleveland. They hired Brian Flores in Minnesota. Well, those are three really proven, established people. So I think the firing's the easy part. You have to hire somebody who knows what they're doing. And so I think that that stood out to me as we weren't just moving on to move on. We got somebody who, you know, has uh, who who's proven. Now with that, you know, there are challenges to transition to in a different style of defense and, and how that fits with your personnel. And we've seen the personnel change quite a bit. So we saw it change a lot when uh, when Brian was in Miami, too. So we're early in that process. I mean, this is going to be an evaluation year, probably for a lot of people to see how they fit and what he wants. And looking at the NFC North, where do you see the Vikings maybe playing out this year? You know, are they able to defend? I know it's a lot of different things going on in the NFC North than from last season. I, I do think they, they're they right in the mix and have a chance to do it. When you look at that division, I mean, you know, Detroit is being anointed a little bit, and I understand the momentum, you know, that they had late last season, but um, they have to kind of deal with some success too, right? And and they didn't make the playoffs. So we'll see where they're at. They have their own questions on defense. Uh Certainly Green Bay has has a good amount of talent, but 
there's a different quarterback. So I, I think that, and, and then you could say the same thing. Chicago's roster is incomplete, and there's big question marks on Justin Fields and just how how good he's going to be for the long term. So the one thing you know is funny. Out at practice today, I uh, took a when they were coming off the field, I, I took a picture of uh, Kirk Cousins and my my youngest son's a Packer fan. I texted to him. I said, "Hey." He's the best quarterback in the North right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was just messing with him. <laughs> I love it. Did, he, did he respond? Yeah, yeah he, he responded. He, he said, uh, yeah, his, his reply was great. He's, a, you know, he's got a pretty good sense of He had a very prestigious title these days. <laughs> ah, that's great. Well, I've, I've heard but, really good things about uh, the Netflix documentary uh, Quarterback. Apparently, this is, yeah. I've been hearing that um, if, I mean, because a lot of people say Kirk is a polarizing figure. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they say if, and I'm not saying you don't yeah, like yeah, Kirk, but yeah. people were saying, you know, if if someone out there dislikes Kirk, you're going to love him after watching this documentary oh, on July 11th. Really? So, yeah. That's okay. what that's what I've been hearing. Interesting. So he you know, stole the show. Yeah. And I think you know, look, Goff had Goff looked pretty good with that offensive line, and they have some weaponry. I think Goff is you know in the discussion too for in in the division. But um, you know, the Vikings are just at an interesting point because a little bit like last year where you have these new people in, and obviously they would like to, everyone who comes in would like to start fresh and build a team. But you inherit a team and you have a chance to compete. And so how do you balance that, right? And then you had this amazing record, which was better than anyone expected. And of course, they couldn't turn around with people saying, well, yeah, they won all the close games. That was a misleading. So I think there's a wide range of possibilities for this team. If you, 13 and four has to be the ceiling of what any almost any team, unless you're Kansas City, sure. is going to do in almost any year. Uh, so I think there could be any no, like I wouldn't almost be surprised by almost any record. For wouldn't couldn't anything be in play? Look, the, the, what if the defense just wasn't ready and struggled, yeah. or uh, you know, and, and then you do almost the same way, but you lose some of those close games, and now you're eight and nine, but you're the same team, right? Or or the defense comes together is better than expected, and now all of a sudden you're twelve and five. You know, I, I think there's. In the NFC especially, if, if you just look at like the Super Bowl odds of the teams, you very quickly get to teams that people aren't talking about as Super Bowl teams. You literally took my next question. I was yeah. like the parity <laughs> between the NFC and the AFC, like from your vantage yeah. point, plays into if the Vikings want to win now, this is a great chance for them to bring home the first Lombardi mm-hmm. yeah. because of the way that the NFC has played out. Well, I mean, but bringing home the Lombardi means you have to beat the Chiefs. So uh, you might get to the Super Bowl. That's well, fair. I, that's fair. I think that's going to be a tall task for somebody to take down, whoever sure. makes it. But you never know. You, know you, you really do never know. But I do think that's where they're at with, you know, trying to make the best of both, right? Try to get your team kind of reset in some ways that needed to happen. There's some contracts that you inherited that reflect a uh, past reality or past priorities of other people that were in power. But at the same time, no one wants to just suddenly not be good. So the good thing is they have a veteran quarterback who's consistent. You know what you're going to get from them. If you can protect them with those weapons, they're going to have a pretty good year offensively. I think we that's the one thing you can hang your hat on, right? Yeah. Sure. And and, it's, and it helps bring back your entire starting five offensive line from last year. You, I heard they got 10 of their 11 guys yep. back. Is that true? Yep. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. You, even the backups. Even the that's backups. unbelievable. Yeah. So some continuity there maybe. And if, maybe a little bit of improvement on the interior at the guard mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. from guys that are coming back, you yep. know. Um, it will be interesting. This league teaches you, though, don't, you know, you just, when the, you think something when you think something, it'll prove you wrong. So, <laughs> uh, I don't make too many bold declarations in the offseason other than 
the teams with Mahomes and those yeah, guys are there there. you go. We know they're going to be there, but sure. there's a lot of possibilities, especially in this division. Like almost nothing would surprise you. No, no, it wouldn't. It feels wide open at this point. <sighs> I mean, especially you look at Detroit. Like everyone says, the Lions are going to lie, right? Like yeah. it, they have the probably the most talented roster on paper. But I feel like the Vikings, Lions, like every year, that's a split. What happens from there? Who yeah. knows? Yeah, the the Lions aren't going to go five and one in the division. They're just not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I totally yeah, understand. So, that. yeah, I'm with you. I think it's. I think we're to the point where I feel like this is about the off season. There's so much analysis and the draft right. and all all this stuff for agency. We just sort of need to get into camp. Yeah. And and see it play out, you know, and, and let the let the results speak. Understood. Um, Randy Mueller wrote a, yeah. an article on the Athletic about. Uh, Dalvin Cook, the trade and everything, yeah. and basically how the value of running backs, I guess, over the years have went up and then now was going down. Yeah. How much of that do you believe is because of what the uh, Kansas City Chiefs did with Isaiah Pacheco and drafting the seventh rounder, him scoring a touchdown, and kind of that run that he had, paying a running back less to get more? Yeah, I think the Chiefs are an exception because of their quarterback okay. and head coach. I think they could, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna pass the ball all the time anyway. You know, with with the running back position, the difference between somebody who is special and someone who's just good doesn't necessarily make or break your team. And then I, the other component of it, of it is there's an evaluation part of the player involved in this, too, that goes unsaid. So when the Vikings make this move, they're also making an evaluation of Dalvin Cook and where he's at and, and where they think th- th- maybe they would think that he's either going to decline or isn't quite what he was. They're not going to say that, obviously, but that's part of these calculations. Zeke Elliott goes from the Cowboys. They're not saying, they're saying we love you, Zeke, but they're also, there's an evaluation of the player and where he's at in this too. So I think if you're a super special uh, back, you can be picked in the top 10 like Atlanta did. They they took a guy in the top 10 and he's probably going to be the rookie of the year. He's probably going to be a star player. But when it comes time to do a second contract, if you look at the history of the fifth-year option, which is what teams have to, after the third year of the player, they have to opt in or out for the fifth year. Um, since 2011, they started that. There's a lot of running, there's only about five running backs who had the option picked up. And most of those, you know, you maybe regret it because okay. the, they do wear down and they do get hurt. And like, look at Saquon Barkley, great player. They can franchise tag him for $10 million and do it for $12 million next year. They've got him for two years, $22 million. Right. That's a terrible position. I mean, it's a great position. I would love to be here. <laughs> but for him, a player him, of his yeah. stature, right. he's going to age out of his big money. They're happy to do that. Right. What's he going to do? Hold out and miss $10 million? Of course not. Right. So, so I think that's the economics of that position. You can get a guy and you're not going to pay on the back end of the career because of the injury factor and the durability. You know? I mean, that's understood. It's, you know, it's... You just see, I mean, what was that? Two years ago, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara signed their contracts literally, what, an hour apart from each other? And Dalvin Cook made like a $100, like something crazy. And you look at that and say, okay, well, how does that, what what does that say about the future of the running back position? And everyone was saying, well, the value is going to go up. And then now you kind of see history repeat itself. Well, not only that, the franchise value could actually go down at that position. True. The tag value could go down. So. Uh, you know, there's no doubt the league has become more of a shotgun passing league. Yeah. And that's in college, too. For most teams, you could probably find another back who's not a lot different than your back. There's a handful of guys who are special. I think Dalvin Cook has been one of those guys. Uh, but the question is, is it enough to pay what he was going to make for the future? 
production, right? Right. And that's the, where the calculus came in. And also remember, they've had a coaching change and a and a front office change. And so the, their their head coach is designing the offense and calling the plays. And so they're making a calculated decision of, okay, so that's X number of million dollars. Um, but you know what? We we have these other guys. So if you look at when Dalvin Cook left, what was what was one of the first things he he said? I want to go somewhere and get my carries. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what no one wants to get their back their carries. Everybody right. wants to run their offense. I think Dalvin had the most carries last year than he had like the yeah. previous four. Like yeah. just, I mean, go ahead, my bad. But he's trying to find that, and that's going to be hard to find. Sure, that's going to be hard to find somebody who who views him that way. And it's a, just a hard reality of the business. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is out there too. Think how good he is. Yeah. Right. You know, right. and these are really good there are players. teams that are, that need receivers exactly. and they're still not even really. Because there's an fighting. adjustment period when you get, when you're being at the top, I guarantee Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins justifiably believe they're top five in the league at their position. There's no way they don't believe that. So how do you then yeah. come down and make uh, top 20 money? It takes a process of realization after your release until it starts to kind of get your mind wrapped around that. Right, because making even the top twenty money be better than sitting at home watching. Oh, absolutely, he's not going to couch. He's going to retire, but it's Money's a hard money. reality. Can you imagine? Oh, sure. In what lines of work do you do really well at your job? And age twenty-seven, you take a you take a fifty percent pay cut. Right. Yeah, asking. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. that's very that's tough. That's a really good way of putting it. When you think you're good, yeah, right. and you know what you've done. Right. Yeah, that would be, yeah, I would bruise my ego a bit. Yeah, yeah I guess that's a kumbaya moment you got to yeah. have. Yeah. It's hard. I think it's a really hard one. Well, and conversely, you've got, you see these wide receivers getting these monster deals, and, and that's pretty much on the doorstep of uh, oh, yeah. Vikings' Justin Jefferson, who yeah. is taking the league by storm, household name. I mean, he's pretty much one of the main faces of the NFL right now. Um, how do you see that playing out? He seems like he had a really good attitude heading into this, and, and he says his play will speak for itself. I think he's going to get paid a ton of money. I, <laughs> I think there's just nothing about him that you wouldn't want to pay him. Yeah. Right? There's no – some of the other receivers who got like, okay, so Tyreek Hill got $30 million, but there's some baggage around him, and, and he's deeper into his career, and uh, he still got $30 million, right? And then Devonta Adams, I mean, probably was – you know, if maybe the best receiver in the league, and he, and he was able to get that. But who would you want to bet on for the next five years? That's <laughs> he turns twenty four on Friday, which is yeah. crazy. By far, it's Justin Jefferson. I mean, I can't think of any reason why he wouldn't go to the top. It's like to me, he should go to the top of the wide receiver position, and you should just smile and be feel good for him. Yeah, you know, rightfully so. I mean, what what he's done, kind of what his trajectory is in in this league. I, I believe there. I mean, you have to pay him for his value now, but. I can definitely see that being renegotiated in the future for a, a larger contract to keep him here in purple because just yeah. generational talent like that, you don't see it often. Yeah, he's just really special. And you see, he's so young. I mean, he's probably right. going to get better, you know, just as right. a craftsman. You yeah. Know? Right. I mean, there, there, Gabe and I have said this plenty of times on the podcast before. There are times where we sit back and we're like, we're covering someone that yeah. we're going to remember for the yeah. rest of our yeah. lives as one of the greatest yeah. to ever do it. And we get to talk to him. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those kind of like humbling moments. Yeah. Was there a player like that for you that you've kind of sat back and been like, man, I can't believe I got to do that. Yeah. So early in my career, uh, a couple of hall of famers, Steve Hutchinson was one of them. Oh, cool. nice. yeah. but, but, uh, so when I started out covering the Seahawks, uh, it was even before Steve Hutchinson was John there. Wal- Walter Jones. Oh, John Randall oh, was there. Okay. Yeah. John Randall finished his career there. Yeah. But Walter Jones was, uh, you know, arguably the greatest offensive tackle of 
ever. Um, I mean, he came out of Florida State, and I believe at his pro day as a tackle ran like a four six forty. You know, he's just he's just <laughs> wow. different, just completely different. So we knew, and then my partner on the beat at the time was a guy by the name of Dave Bowling who had played college offensive line. So he was always scouting the offensive line guys for me. And he he had his binoculars out during the game. I'd sit next to him for nine straight years, you know, talking about, oh, you got to see this play on Walter. Oh, unbelievable. So I think Walter Jones was really the first one for me that was truly different. And we would just watch him. We'd just watch him during the game as a tackle, you know. And if he ever, I always remembered, if he ever got beat on a play, you just watch the next play. Because the, <laughs> the other guy was going to probably die on the play. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. We really appreciate you taking the time. We know you're making the rounds. So where where have you been? Where are you headed next? Yeah, I, I visited uh, Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to visit Arizona. And then I'm going to go home to the Seattle area nice. and start the off season so very nice good. Do, do you have a favorite place that you like to visit oh that's interesting you know, there's a couple ways to go on that for for stadiums there's there's, there's a stadium component of it which have like you had you visit all 32 yet um probably uh, that's interesting with the new ones i don't know if i've done it's a good question i'd have to go okay. through it. i travel with monday night football every week for five years okay uh, so i got to all of them at, at that yeah. point nice um, uh, but, you know, cities to go to, uh, to me, I love getting down to L.A. I mean, it's just the weather yeah. and it's L.A. and uh, the smell in the ocean, you know, and there's two teams down there. So that's a, that's a really uh, that, that's a really nice trip. I think uh, yeah, I miss San Diego when they were in the mix. Oh, I, think oh, I that bet. Was a, that was really a great place. And for Super Bowls, too. Um, I think for a Super Bowl, New Orleans can be enjoyable. A little bit. <laughs> Tatum's from New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Love for, that city. <laughs> I like that for a Super Bowl. So, and I kind of like, you know, living in the Northwest now, like I like getting to Florida too. Yeah. You know, just different climates and different areas. Nice. Um, now for going to training camps, I love to go to the Midwest because you can drive to a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've done that. You know, Chicago, you can go sure. Green Bay, you can go down to Indy, Cleveland, Cincinnati. I do love getting on the road. So I, I don't nice. know if I gave you... A specific answer, no, but I, I love we'll getting it. around, and, I, and I, I, I love getting around in different ways. This is a quick in and out type thing, but I like to get in the car. I, I did a probably over two thousand mile driving trip last summer. Uh, oh my goodness! For, uh, for fun or for, for camps? Training camp. For training for camps? camps? Yeah. Man, See, that a, sounds like a vlog. Yeah. Did you vlog your journey? Oh <laughs> uh, no, no, I didn't. You know, so, uh, sounds like a lot of time you're you're in your head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you make phone calls and stuff right. when you're in the car, yeah. and I like getting out on the road. Nice. And, you have four or five hour drives to the next stop. Get in and do it again. Easy peasy. Yeah, I love it. That's so that. fun. Well, Mike, again, thank you so much. You can check out his work at theathletic.com. You can also listen to him and fellow podcast host Randy Mueller on the Athletics Football GM podcast. Thank you. All right. A big thanks to the Athletics Mike Sando for joining us. He is now on his way to Arizona, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We were just telling him the Cardinals will come back up here soon for joint practices, you know, that felt so far away not so long ago. And it's like a month. Everything is like <laughs> flying by right now. It's like I mean, <laughs> the draft felt like yesterday. Yes. And the fact that we're done with mandatory mini campus, it's like, like this season, we're going to be in December before we even know it. Before we know it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me, the next couple of weeks is like the time that we use personally in like Vikings Entertainment Network where we are preparing ourselves for the next season as well. So the players are doing their thing and we do cover that. We're also behind the scenes making sure that you guys 
have a great content plan coming up and you get all the access that you need and deserve from us as well. So that's what we're going to be focused on for the next few weeks. Gabe, I know you you shared earlier that you have some time off, which is yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, I'm trying to wrap this thing up, but there really isn't too much to talk about except for looking ahead to when training camp starts and, and make sure you nail down those dates that you want to be there because it's going to be two joint practices. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can head on over to Vikings.com to get your training camp tickets. I mean, those things are going to be sold out quick simply because we have two joint practices this year. So um, it, it's it's the most exciting time of the year. But I know just from being in this building like yourself, when you get this break, you cherish this moment because it's just like, okay, this is yeah. our last break for the next <laughs> six months. So this is this is going to be a fun and exciting year, and um, hopefully, you know, a lot of things can get ironed out between now and then. I know players are going to have a much-needed vacation. Um, we were supposed to have a guest on this show, and he took the veteran route and took his vacation early. So, rightfully so. I mean, he, he's oh, yeah. done. He he's, deserves it. He deserves we're not it. Gonna, we're not naming names here. Okay. I thought you were going to say it. No, no, I'm not going to say <laughs> it. No, we're not going to name names here. We'll get him on very soon. For sure. Always a really good friend of ours, friend of the pod, friend of Vikings Entertainment Network. So... You know, but yeah, I don't blame them. It, it is that time of year where they just get to be normal for a, for a hot second before right. it all begins. But um, but this was fun. Yeah, this was fun. Anything anything that uh, Vikings fans should be looking out for for you for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so there's a couple of more Viking circles coming out. Nice. Um, T.J. Hawkinson is coming out soon, and then we have a chopping it up with the coaches coming out soon. So, um, just giving you guys a little bit of content off the field before we get back on the field. So something to hold us over. I know there's a lot of content. I mean, that's just two things I just named. There's a lot of content coming from a lot of people, including yourself from this talented VEN crew. So just just stay tuned to Vikings.com. Yeah. Gabe said it best. App, YouTube, Vikings.com to get your fix for the remaining summer before we get kick-started into the training camp. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will be back next week. I don't know who I'm going to get as a guest yet, but I promise it'll be a good one. I was actually thinking about Ron, Ron Johnson. How about like some of the strength and training staff? Like Remy, Remy is here. There you go. Remy, I can't think of Famido Jackson. She's well, here, there's so. a peek into what we do. We yeah. kind of talk about these things and come in, come into the, to our own. I like that idea. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get some good people for you though. We promise. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, for Gabe, I'm Tatum and we're signing off. Mm-hmm.